Now we're going to read from the scriptures. We're turning to Daniel chapter 9. And we're going to read the first 15 verses together. For those who have just joined us, we're in Daniel chapter 9. And we're going to read the first 15 verses. Now this is a tremendous chapter. And I'm going to take a few weeks to try and study it. So we're going to slow down a little bit and try and study it together. Daniel chapter 9, let's hear the word of the Lord. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets which speak in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them, because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of faith, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his law, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us, and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done unto Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet 
made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that has brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and has gotten thee renown as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 15, and we pray that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now this evening, we are continuing our series of expository sermons in the book of Daniel. And tonight my text is found in Daniel, chapter 9, and I want us to focus primarily on the first four or five verses. And my theme this evening is entitled, Daniel's Great Prayer and Confession to God. Now in Daniel, or in chapter 9 of Daniel, the prophet understands that by reading the prophecy of Jeremiah, that the 70-year period of Israel's captivity is about to end. That the great Babylonian empire will fall. And that the Jews then, after the fall of Babylon, will return to their own land and rebuild the temple and the walls of Jerusalem. And and with this in mind, Daniel gave himself to prayer. So he prays for himself and the Jewish people and the fulfillment of God's holy promise. He prays on the basis of genuine confession of sin. He prays with genuine repentance and remorse in his heart as he cries unto the Lord. As I've read Daniel 9 and reread it, it's a truly rich portion of the Bible. This prayer is really a model prayer. It's a great prayer worthy of our study. It's a prayer of petition, a prayer of confession, a prayer of intercession, a prayer of supplication unto the God of Israel. And this prayer has to be worthy of our meditation and consideration in the days and times in which we live. You see, according to chapter 9, as we're going to see in a later study, this prayer was answered. God sent Gabriel one of the archangels to give Daniel understanding and insight into the deep and hidden things of God, things that related to uh, the, the end of the world, uh, things that related even to the suffering and death of Israel's promised Messiah. Uh, chapter 9 of Daniel can be divided into three parts. You've got to think of the introductory setting of the prayer. Chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. The instructive structure of the prayer Uh, Daniel 9, verses 4, 19, you've got a petition here, you've got confession, you've got intercession, you've got supplication. Uh, And of course, you've got to think then in closing of the imminent supply of the prayer. Gabriel is sent. Gabriel speaks to Daniel. And you can read that then in chapter 9, verses 20 through to 27. Tonight, as we look at this great prayer and 
Daniel and confession to God. There's a number of things that are really introductory that, that come to mind. So this is really the first part of what could be a three-part sermon. Uh, so, so you'll have to come back and, and listen to the rest or listen online. I want you to think, first of all, of the period of the prayer. You see, here's a significant factor. Look at chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Mede, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. That's another word, young people, for the Babylonians. Notice in verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel. You see, here's a significant factor. Darius the Mede is on the throne. It's the first year of his reign. It's the beginning of the uh, Median Persian Empire. Belshazzar, the last king of Babylon, is dead. Babylon has fallen. Its empire is no more. And as I've said, the Median Persians are in power. And during the first year of the reign of Darius, this prayer is offered to God by Daniel. This prayer is then flagged up and marked out by the Holy Spirit to us as to the timing as to when it was offered. It was offered in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus. Now you've got to think of Daniel. And you've got to think of him in the first year of the reign of Darius. Not only think of the times in which we live, but, but think of the fact that Daniel was there in Babylon on the night that Babylon fell. Remember, he had interpreted the message, the writing in the wall for uh, Belshazzar. And that night, Belshazzar made him prime minister, the third most powerful ruler in the Babylonian empire. And it was that very night that Darius the Mede took the kingdom. And Dar or, or Daniel was kept on as the newly appointed prime minister of the Medes and Persians Empire. And, and, and he was really a ruler under Darius the Mede. Here he is, coming to great heights, in a sense. He, he holds political office, but he's not there for himself. He's not there for any political gain. He's certainly not there as a money-making exercise. Remember, he's called in the Bible Daniel the prophet. You see, the Lord, I believe, had placed Daniel there because the Lord is fulfilling his redemptive purposes for Daniel and his people on the earth. And what is true of Daniel's day is true of our day. You see, God is at work in this world's history right at this present time as he has been from the beginning, as he was in the Babylonian Empire, the Medes Persians, the Grecian, the Roman Empire. And God is at work in our world history today for one reason, and I'll tell you what that reason is. That reason is the fulfillment of his glorious redemptive purpose and program. You see, God is at work. God is planning things and has done from the beginning so that he could save a people unto himself. And we need to grasp that. We need to understand this. 
And if we understand that God is at work fulfilling his redemptive purposes in the world, then that will help us to pray for kings and for queens and for all that are of power and authority. That will help us to pray for our government. That will help us to pray for those in Storm and Hill and those in Westminster and those in Hollywood. See, Daniel's position as the prime minister of the Magian Persians Empire has to be seen, folks, in the context of redemption. He's a child of God, and God has put him in this place so that redemptive purposes can be fulfilled. This is a prayer, remember, of a man of God. He's called Daniel the prophet. You've got to understand the words, I, Daniel. Remember, he's an old man now. What age is Daniel? He's probably about 88 or 90 years of age. He's an old man who's holding political office. As I've said, he's the prime minister of one of the greatest world empires. A man with a tremendous duty and responsibility. An older man, you could say, well, if he's 88 or 90, he's bound to be drained of health and strength. And yet there was this man that said, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fastings and sackcloth and ashes. You see, Daniel knows the importance of the power of prayer in his life. It's most likely that what we're reading here in Daniel 9 probably comes before Daniel 6. It probably comes before the den of lions experience. But remember, as I've told you, the book of Daniel is not chronological. It's not one chapter following after the other. And here's Daniel taking his place before the Lord at the throne of grace. A man who couldn't forget who he is. He's Daniel the prophet. A man who longs in his heart for the restoration of his people to their own land. A man who's there in that office to prepare the way for the coming of Messiah. And he's a man who's already grasped the importance and the power of prayer in his life. You know, often, and I've challenged my own heart with this thought already, we complain. I complain. I'm too busy. Some of you know that. And so often I feel, well, I have so little time to pray of this to do and of that to do. Do you know if we're too busy, and I say to my own heart, too busy to pray, then we are too busy. Many make excuses, I'm too busy, I'm too sick. Many think, well, I couldn't come to the prayer meeting because I don't know what to pray. But there was no excuse found in the lips of Daniel. Daniel knew there was no substitute for the offering of fervent intercessory prayer to God. And one of our great needs today is to rediscover the power of prayer. To know that we can call in our God in prayer and seek his face and cry unto him for divine intervention and help in, in our lives and in the life of the land. So firstly, understand the period of the prayer. It was in the first year of Darius the Mede. Daniel's prime minister is an old man and he's discovered and knows the importance of prayer. I want you to think secondly the preparation for prayer. 
See, if you look with me at chapter 9, verse 2, in the first year of his reign, that's Darius the Mede, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years, where off the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now, that word, understood, literally means discernment. And here's Daniel the prophet, and what's he doing? He's reading his Bible. He's reading the prophecy of Jeremiah. And by the reading of that prophecy, he gains understanding. He receives enlightenment and discernment out of the book he gets a word from the Lord about this 70-year period that the Jews were to be in Babylon. And on the basis of that word, as he realizes the Babylonian Empire has fallen, the Medes and Persians have come, and on the basis of that word, that God would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem, he gave himself to prayer. You see, by the reading of the book, Daniel gained discernment that the 70-year period of captivity was going to come to an end. What did that mean? It meant, firstly, the fall of Babylon. That had already taken place. It meant that Israel was going to return to its land and rebuild the temple and rebuild Jerusalem. That was the second thing he discovered by reading Jeremiah. And the third thing he discovered, which is even more important, and we're going to see this in a moment, was that the Lord had said through Jeremiah the prophet, you need to pray about this. You need to go and pray. And Daniel realizes the time has come when the Lord is going to intervene in our lives, when the Lord is going to restore and vindicate his people, and therefore I'm going to pray about that. That's what I mean by the preparation for prayer. Look with me, for example, at Jeremiah 25. Jeremiah chapter 25. Let's look at verses 10 through to 12. God says through Jeremiah, Moreover, I will take from them, that's the Babylonians, the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the candle, and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon. Now notice these words, 70 years. Verse 12, And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon. Do, do you see that? And that nation saith the Lord for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans and will make it perpetual desolations. See, God is saying through Jeremiah, after 70 years in captivity in Babylon, I'm going to punish not only the king of Babylon, but I'm going to bring the emperor of Babylon to nothing. And I'm going to do it because of their persecution and treatment that they have meted out to the people of God in the land of Israel. Now, here's an interesting fact. Jerusalem had to wait 70 years for the punishment of Babylon. Judah had to wait 70 years 
till the time was right, and the time was right for God to step in and vindicate his own cause and pour wrath upon his enemies. Over there in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 6, we read these words in verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony that they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell in the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. See, they were told to wait. And down the centuries, things have happened long before Christ came. And even after Christ came to Christ's church, you think of all the persecutions from the first martyr Abel. Think of the oppression. Think of the, the, the deprivation. And many things that have happened have never been redressed. And probably won't be redressed until Christ comes in power and glory. But remember the Lord says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And those saints in heaven that were martyred, including the first martyr, not only in before Christ, which was Abel, the first New Testament martyr, which was Stephen. Here's the cry of the martyr dead, crying to God, asking how long. You see, I believe the saints of God in heaven are fully conscious. They're aware of all that's going on. And they're asking God, when are you going to avenge our enemies and thine? And they're told the rest. They're told that they need patience. And, 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 and Daniel is told that they need to pray For the day will come when God will vindicate his own cause And Daniel sees by the reading of the book That God is going to deal with Babylon And Daniel knows that God is going to restore the children of Israel to their own land And rebuild Jerusalem and the temple Turn over there to Jeremiah chapter 29 Look with me at verses 10 and 11 I'm only scratching the surface here, but I want to point out these salient references. Jeremiah 29, verse 10, For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Notice verse 12, underline it. Then, which means at that time it's Hotan in the Hebrew, then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me, and find me when ye search for me with all your heart. See, Daniel, here's the preparation for prayer, was laying hold of these promises of God in his heart and mind. God's going to punish Babylon. God's going to restore the Jews to their own land. They're going to rebuild the temple. They're going to rebuild the city. And I'm going to pray to God for this. And Daniel sees and understands the need to pray. And Daniel believes the promise of God. And Daniel uses that promise to pray unto the Lord. You think of Daniel tonight pleading the promises, clinging to these truths, claiming these truthful promises, discovering a glorious fact that God does everything 
in answer to prayer on the basis of his word. Remember James says, you have not because you ask not. And why do we not ask? Because prayerlessness is a sin. And so often we're, we're tempted not to pray. But God's face can be sought. We can seek him in prayer. Could we not say tonight in relation to Northern Ireland that Northern Ireland's greatest need is a move of God's Holy Spirit and revival power and blessing? Is that not the desperate need of the hour? Well, if that's going to happen, then we need men and young men and young women and the older women to give themselves to prayer. Isn't that what the psalmist said? Psalm 109 verse 4. Uh, but for my love they became my adversaries, but I gave myself to prayer. If the set time to favor Zion has come, and Daniel knew this, then Daniel wasted no time in giving himself to prayer. And the set time to favor Zion is mentioned in Psalm 102, verse 13. You know, we have a promise from God about true revival. Will thou not revive us again, that we thy people may rejoice in thee? If we have a promise from God that souls will be saved, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thine house. If we have a promise from God about the restoration of souls, David said he restoreth my soul and if he restored David from a backslidden state, he can restore others. If we have a promise from God about help, the Lord is my helper. If we have a promise from God about the need for workers, for the work of God, we're to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest field. If we need a, a promise from God about a move of God's spirit, then, then God says, it's not by might or by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. How much more shall he give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And you see, we're to take these promises into our heart and into our mind. And we're to use them to seek his face. It was the great George Miller that said we must turn the promises into petitions. And you see, it's easy to get a promise and say, well, that's lovely. Thank you, Lord. But, but does that promise become a petition? Do we go to God and say, Lord, do as thou hast said? You see, there's a great need for supplication. A great need for intercession. And we need to pray based on the will of God as discovered by the word of God. If you think of this call in Jeremiah chapter 29 and in the verse 12, then shall ye call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me. Think of those words. Go and pray unto me. What's the answer for Northern Ireland? What's the answer for our church? What's the answer for our community? What's the answer for our families? It's go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. Don't waste time. Don't waste the opportunity. Use your time well. Daniel got down immediately to prayer. It was a serious business. He was diligent. We often complain, as I've said, it's difficult to find time to give ourselves to prayer. So often we have a hesitancy in regards to the power of prayer and when it comes to the prayer meeting, I think, you know what, it's a lovely evening, I've got to get the gardening done and I need to wash the car and I maybe have to go to the shop and, oh, do you know what my favourite programme's on? Well I, well, I can't really miss it. Um, and, and we don't go and we tell ourselves, you know what, I'll go next week. And the next week comes and we have another excuse. See, Daniel wasn't like that. Daniel wasted no time. Speedily, instantly, he gave himself to prayer. And see, I believe tonight that Daniel reached new heights in the place of prayer with God. 
Daniel had already witnessed the fall of Babylon. Daniel had already witnessed the rise of the kings of Darius the Mede. The Persian Empire had begun. It's in his first year. And Daniel realizes the 70 years are coming to an end. Jerusalem's going to be rebuilt. If you look with me at Isaiah 44, uh, just for another reference, it says in Isaiah 44, verse 28, that saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built. Who was Cyrus? He was the first king of the Persians. See, it's the Medes and Persians. It's a joint venture. And Darius the Mede, he reigned for two years. And then after him came King Cyrus. And in the first year of the reign of Cyrus, the issue was given, rebuild Jerusalem. Thou shalt be built. That's what he said to Jerusalem. And to the temple, thy foundations shall be laid. And that's exactly what happened during the reign of King Cyrus of the Persians. So here's Daniel. And Daniel's alive when Cyrus takes the throne. How do we know that? Well, you go back there to Daniel. Look with me at chapter 1. Isn't it the verse 21, is it? Daniel 1. It says there, And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. That, that's tremendous. Daniel had to be well into his 90s by that time. So, so there's the preparation for prayer. Notice very quickly here the posture in prayer. Chapter 9, verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Now, now notice this. Um, and I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer. That, that's prayer in general. And supplications. There's specific Fervent prayer, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And how did Daniel pray? With fastings. There was abstinence from food, not feasting, but fasting. He gave up food. He was dead earnest. He was prepared to fast and abstain for food for a spiritual end. And he, and he adds this, and sackcloth. He wasn't full of pride. He's a man in mourning. You see, you put on sackcloth when you're mourning. It's, it's almost like um, the, the, the wearing of a black suit or a black dress in the face of the death of a loved one. And Daniel, I believe, hates and mourns his own sin, hates and mourns the sins of his fellow countrymen, hates and mourns the sins that brought them into captivity in the first place, and he's quite prepared and willing to identify with his people and say to God, as we have read in this prayer, we have sinned. And notice the words, and ashes. See, Daniel's remembering, I'm but a clay dust tabernacle. And under dust one day will I turn. I believe Daniel was very grave. I believe Daniel felt unworthy. Even as he sought God with an earnest heart. And that's his posture in prayer. Notice as we finish the petition in prayer. So we've thought about the period. We've thought about the preparation. We've thought about the posture. Let's think about the petition. If you look at verse 4, and I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said. See, Daniel prays with this idea of getting the Lord's ear. 
And I prayed unto the Lord my God. The word Lord is in the capitals. You'll notice that. It refers to Jehovah. He wants the ear of God. He's really saying to the Lord, bow down thine ear. Give ear to the voice of my supplication. Remember, he's about 90 years of age. And Daniel is praying according to the will of God because he has the mind of God. And Daniel is praying according to the word of God. If you turn over there to the book of Zechariah, just a few chapters on, look with me at Zechariah chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Zechariah 1, 12, Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou have not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah, against which thou hast had indignation these threescore and ten years? And the Lord answered the angel that talked with me with good words and comfortable words. So the angel that communed with me said unto me, Cry thou, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. If you understand that, the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long will thou not have mercy in Jerusalem and in the cities of Judah? Who's praying here? It's the angel of the Lord. And who is the angel of the Lord? Well, it's none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his role as mediator and intercessor. And he's asking his father, and he's saying the same words that the martyred dead are crying, how long will thou not have mercy? And he's thinking about Jerusalem. He's thinking about Judah, uh, against which thou hast an indignation these three score and ten years. You see, he's praying as well in heaven. Do, Do you see that? It's as if heaven and earth are agreeing. It's as if Christ and Daniel are in agreement. Let me share something with you from the Gospel of John. It says in 1 John chapter 5, and these words, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. From the lips of Christ, there's this cry, how long? I believe he already knows. But he's praying, remember, as the angel of the Lord, the mediator of the new covenant. He's praying in an intercessory way on behalf of Jerusalem and Judah. And he's saying, Lord, how long till you come and work again? How long till you advance your cause? And if there's a burden of Christ, there's also this burden of Christ in the heart of Daniel. The hearts and minds of both are the same. It's the same petition in their lips. They're praying according to the word and the will of God. They're praying that God would open his ear and that God would come again and work. And you know, that's what we need. We need to have confidence that we've got the ear of the Lord, that souls will be saved and that God will come and sanctify his people and God will send forth laborers into his work and God will show his strength and send his light and and send his truth. Is that what you're praying for? The ear of God. No, he not only prayed for the Lord's ear, but I believe he prayed for the Lord's pardon. If you look at our text, it says, And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession. See, Daniel realized that, that God's saints at this time need forgiveness. Daniel was quite prepared to say, Lord, we have sinned. 
Is it not true that the church of Jesus Christ today has lost sight of the great value and power of prayer? Is the church of Jesus Christ not guilty of a prayerless spirit today? Remember Samuel said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Well, there is a prayerlessness. And remember, Daniel had a good, clean testimony. They could find nothing against Daniel, remember, in the days of Darius the Mede, except that he prayed unto his God. But Daniel felt in his heart that he too needed forgiveness in certain areas. And, and he used the word. Not only did he pray, but made my confession and said, See, Daniel realized he wasn't perfect. Daniel had 70 years in Babylon almost, a very tough struggle from a young man. And Daniel needed the Lord to step in. And on that basis, he wanted to know the Lord's pardon in his life. He wanted to know cleansing in the blood. You think of the life of Northern Ireland tonight, the worst abortion laws now in Europe. You think of the imposition of same-sex marriage and the statute books and what that means. Did you know that over 300 little babies have already been murdered by some of the citizens of Northern Ireland in the advancement of the cause of abortion from these laws have come in? 300 little souls. You think of the transgender issues. You think of the religious decline. See, there's a famine in Northern Ireland. Even if hearing the word of God, if we went round the doors tonight and started knocking on doors, and I said to folks, are you interested in coming to church? Would you like to hear about Christ and the gospel? I I'm, I'm probably would get a few expletives hurled at me and told where to go and clear off. Why? Because it's the spirit of the age. It's the spirit of Antichrist that's at work. And we need forgiveness in this area. That we haven't given ourselves to prayer. And of course, not only do saints need forgiveness, but every sinner needs God's forgiveness and pardon. Daniel talked about my God. He talked about my confession. And sinners need to be told to repent and believe the gospel. They need to be told to, to receive Christ as Lord and Redeemer. I believe as Daniel made this confession to the Lord, he was really praying not only for the Lord's ear and the Lord's pardon, but he was praying for the Lord's help. He was really saying, Lord, our greatest need is for you to intervene, for you to fulfill your word. See, if I asked tonight, whose side is the Lord on? I would have to answer in this way. The Lord is in no one's side. See, the Lord tonight doesn't belong to any one political, political party in Northern Ireland. Although he has a vested interest in what's going on in Stormont Hill and in Westminster and Holyrood and elsewhere throughout the British Isles and in Europe, the Lord is on no one's side politically, but he is always on the side of truth and righteousness and holiness. And the question is not, Lord, which side are you on? The question is, am I on the Lord's side? You see, what matters is nothing political, economic, or financial tonight. What matters, and I want you to listen as we close, is the outworking of God's eternal purpose. You see, what is God's purpose for this earth and this community? 
Well, I want to tell you what it is. It's the salvation of precious souls in repentance and faith to the bleeding wounded side of Christ. It's the building up of his church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What does that mean? It's to do with the regenerating of dead sinners into new life and putting them into Christ. It has to do with the saving of the soul, the restoration of the backslider, the establishment of righteousness and truth in the land. And, and, you know, for that to take place, then, then there has to be the regular prayer meetings of the church. That's why in the lockdown situation, I, I didn't say uh, we would stop the prayer meeting. We had it on Zoom. And now we've reopened. Then we're having the little season of prayer in the minor hall. And we appreciate your participation. And, and of course, we need to give ourselves to, to special seasons of prayer. If I could say this, and later on we are going to preach a series of messages on true revival... You know, true revival starts in the prayer meeting. Any revival that ever took place in the history of the Christian church started in the prayer meeting. God poured out a spirit of grace and supplication. God's people had this desire, this urge to go to the place of prayer and to cry to God. Remember, he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Daniel prays to the Lord for his help. Daniel prays for the Lord in this prayer to be glorified. He addresses him as the Lord my God. He addresses him as the Lord God. You see, it's not Daniel's name that matters. It's not for Daniel's sake. Daniel doesn't mention his political office and say, but wait a minute, Lord, I'm the prime minister here. Or I'm this or that. No, it's for God to be glorified. It's for God's truth to be vindicated. It's so that men and women could come to a deeper appreciation of who the Lord God is. So they could talk about my Lord and my God. Here's the petition in the prayer. The ear of God. The Lord's pardon. The Lord's help. The Lord to be glorified. I trust to have opened up this introductory setting of the prayer that the Lord will help us to understand the great significance of what we'll discover later on in this prayer and how applicable it is in the 21st century. The Lord bless you tonight. Thank you for coming. And may the Lord encourage your heart as we try to study this together and help us to have discernment.